All right, turn your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to begin reading in verse 19. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For there your treasure is, I'm sorry, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. That is a powerful verse. It's not what I'm preaching on this morning. But I'm going to read that verse again. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other. Or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. I'm going to stop right there for just a moment because I think we have a lot of Christians today who want to have their share of the world and want to be a good Christian too. Share of the world and be a good Christian too. And what always gets compromised in that is the spiritual part. And always, you can't serve both. It's got to be one or the other. And anybody who thinks they're serving both, they're lying to themselves. I say that on the authority of Jesus Christ. It's what he said. You cannot serve God and mammon. We move on. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air. For they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you... That even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take, therefore, no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day 
is the evil thereof. Our text comes from verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. If I was to title the message this morning, it would be first. First. Let's pray. Father, we come to you now in the name of the Lord Jesus, and Lord, we thank you again for the opportunity to meet with God's people in your house Thank you that you've given us a word-for-word Bible that we can trust completely. Thank you for thus saith the Lord. God, I also thank you for the lessons that we've heard now 12 weeks on the King James Bible and its trustworthiness and how untrustworthy all these other things that are called Bibles really are. Lord, now meet with us today in a very special way. Save the lost, we pray, and may God's people decide that they're going to seek you First, And Father, we'll thank you for all that you do in every life, for we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. The Sermon on the Mount, a very precious message by the Lord Jesus Christ. He begins, of course, in verse 1 of chapter 5, he begins with the blesseds, the beatitudes. Boy, people love the blesseds. They really like the blesseds. When you get to chapter 7, chapter 7 deals with judgment. Not too much happiness involved there in the judgments, unless, of course, you're right with the Lord. You get in the middle of it, you've got some instruction about prayer and then instruction about life. What is most important in life? And, of course, he makes it plain as he sums it up when he gets to verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness... And all these things, that's those things that he talked about there, shall be added unto you. Now, personally, I feel that in our country, we are fast becoming a third world country in a number of different ways. We have a lot of identifying things that you would have identified with third world countries. But basically, we're still a country that has a lot of prosperity in it. Doesn't seem to be helping us a whole lot. We could talk about inflation and a number of different things that are taking place in our nation. Possibility, though, of the number uh, of the dollar crumbling, life savings being done away with. But we still have enough money to do most everything that we want to do. So we're not too upset yet. I think, though, that may be coming along. We have a number of changes that are coming in our country, and a lot of those changes are not for the good. Perversion runs rampant in this nation. May I just say that Sodom and Gomorrah had absolutely nothing on the United States of America in 2023. We live in a land of extreme wickedness where we still murder legally over a million babies every year in this country. And the majority of them, by the way, are babies of minorities. What's really amazing is how somehow the liberals of this nation have convinced the minorities that it's right to have their babies murdered. And yet anybody who knows God at all or knows anything about the Bible knows that it has to be wrong and wicked and will bring the judgment of God. Now, I do believe if you go back and listen to preaching over the last couple hundred years that you would find that every generation of people have heard the preachers decry the sorry state of affairs in the land that they live in. This is not anything new. I could go back to the 1940s, 1930s, 
read some of the messages by people like R.G. Lee and others who talked about how wicked their day was, and that was true. As a matter of fact, when you read their messages, you get the idea, man, they were looking ahead to today. But it was back then as well, because you see, man has the flesh on him, and God tells us what the flesh is like several times in the scripture, but especially in Galatians chapter 5, verses 17 through verse 21, and it's bad. Millions of believers have had to live in far more difficult situations than what believers in this country have had to live. And yet we have allowed that prosperity. We have allowed the ability to do so much more with what we have. We've allowed that to deaden us to our spiritual responsibilities in serving God. Some of you remember not too long ago, as a matter of fact, just about 24 years ago, there was a lot of talk going on about Y2K. Everybody was concerned about Y2K. It was in the news I mean, the computers were only set up to go up to 1999 and the year 2000 would be a disastrous year because all the computers wouldn't know how to handle it. Matter of fact, I still remember reading one article that suggested that those countries that had the least computers would do the best in the year 2000 because it wouldn't interrupt what they had like it would interrupt all the so-called countries that educationally, they were much farther ahead. Y2K. As a matter of fact, we even had some church members, pardon me, but we had some church members that uh, sold their homes in town to buy country places where they could just take care of themselves when Y2K actually hit. And I used to say to them, I've got the cure for Y2K. And my cure is Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And the things that he talks about in here are food and clothes and so on. God will take care of his children no matter how difficult the situations may be. But do you realize that no matter what kind of a time that we are in, what kind of a government may be over us, whatever is going on, that the responsibility of every born-again believer is still the same. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. No, we need to buy gold. No, you need to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, if you bought gold, I'm not making fun of you at all, and um, I don't even have any in my teeth, but that's not the reason I'm even saying anything about that. Uh, Because the reality, just like over in North Korea, evidently there were numbers of their people that had gotten gold and then the government came out with a law that they had to turn it all in. One businessman who didn't, they executed. Didn't offer him very much security, did it? The reality is when certain people get in power, whatever the country, there's not much security at all except in God. The Bible says, so then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Now, here's the Lord Jesus teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. Teaching about the things that a lot of people fret about. In verse 19, when he made the statement, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. 
And yet we look at our country today at least and in our time and everything's about financial security. We've got to make sure that we've got all the bases covered. But you have a tornado hit the right place, it doesn't make any difference what security you've got. I'm still reminded of the lady in Alabama many years ago now, I think it was back in the 1950s, a tornado was headed toward the house and she ran out of the house and got into the storm shelter that they had built. Tornado missed the house, picked up a tree, threw it through the door of the storm shelter and killed her. Huh. I guess as it is appointed unto man wants to die after this judgment, her appointed time had come and there is no security away from that except knowing the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior. Because one thing is sure, and that is eternity. If you want to have things settled for eternity, it's the greatest security of all. And let me just say this before I get into some of the other things that I'm going to talk about. First, you must know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Jesus made this statement in John chapter 14 and verse 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now get this, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. He did not say, no man cometh unto the Father but by religion. He didn't say, no man cometh unto the Father but by the church. He didn't say, no man cometh unto the Father but by baptism. He didn't say, no man cometh unto the Father by good works. He said, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you want to be ready for eternity, then friend, you're going to have to humble yourself. See yourself as the sinner you are and turn to the Savior who went to the cross of Calvary and paid your sin debt and was buried and rose three days later from the dead. For only in Christ is there eternal life. So how should we then live? How should we? What should be important in our lives according to the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, first of all, you have to set the proper priorities. And the priority number one needs to be your walk with God. You say, well, the preacher's calling on us. No, no, that Jesus is calling on us. Jesus is the one who made this statement. He is the one that you're going to have to stand before and answer for whether or not you took his word seriously. You see, everything rises and falls right here. Every day of your life, you ought to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, in order to first seek the kingdom of God, you've got to first seek the king. And Jesus Christ is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. Now, you can't have a kingdom without a king. The first priority of your life ought to be to seek the king of the kingdom. So you turn to him. The Bible says, he that hath the son hath life. He that hath not the son of God hath not life. You better have the son. The Christian life is more than just accepting the Lord. It's seeking the Lord. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You see, the Lord is not just someone that you passively accept. He is someone that you are actively to seek. Understand this. You know, he said, Lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the world, that every day is every day 
is a day when, that we're going to give an account for to him, whether or not we were living for him. He is, God does not have favorites, but he does have, I want you to get the term, he has intimates. What do you mean by that? I mean people who want to be as close to him as they can get. Would to God that every one of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ, that our goal in life every day was to seek first the kingdom of God, to get as close to the Lord Jesus as we could possibly get. James 4, 8 says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. The reality is right now, don't care who you are, you are as close to God as you've decided to be. You say, no, preacher, I want to get closer to God. All right, draw nigh to God. It's pretty simple. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. And may I say his steps are bigger than yours. You make a step, he makes a bigger step to draw to you. He wants to be close to you, but he doesn't force you to be close to him. He gives you that opportunity just like anybody else. You're as close to God as you've decided to be. You say, preacher, I want to be closer. Then draw nigh to God. And he will draw nigh to you. He's not going to back off. Who hasn't had some people you'd like to be close to? And when you made some kind of an effort to get close to them, they backed off. That's not God. You draw nigh to God. He will draw nigh to you. Jeremiah 29, 13. And ye shall seek me and find me. When ye shall search for me with all your heart. Now, first things first means putting him first. Notice in verse 30, the scripture says, oh, ye have little faith. Notice that word faith in verse 30. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. According to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, faith in him, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by what? The word of God. Then notice the word father in verse 32. For your heavenly father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. You might circle that word, father. Faith, father, and then in verse 33, first, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Do you understand that righteousness goes hand in hand with Jesus Christ? Let me show you. Turn over to the book of Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, and we have the testimony of the Father about the Son. Hebrews chapter 1, notice beginning in verse 7. It says, and of the angels he saith, and that's speaking of God there, he saith, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire? But unto the Son he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Now notice, thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Now if you're going to seek the righteous one first, you're going to have to hate something. Bible says of Jesus, God said of Jesus, his son, that he loved righteousness and hated iniquity. No wonder the psalmist said, ye that love the Lord, hate evil. And the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. 
Do you understand that Jesus doesn't just want a place in your life? And may I say that Jesus doesn't want just prominence in your life. Jesus wants preeminence in your life. He demands first place. He is not a tag along. He does want the first moments of every day. He does want the first day of every week. By the way, Sunday is the Lord's day. That's what it's called in the scripture. It is the Lord's day. Jesus wants the first part of every paycheck. He just wants to be first. It got quiet on me there with paycheck. It's a threatening. Are you saying that a close walk with Jesus will affect what you give? Absolutely. It sure did affect me when I made him Lord of my life. It'll affect your paycheck too, every part of you. He's not interested in being the first runner-up in your beauty contest. Matter of fact, he's not interested in being the vice president of your corporation. He's not interested in being your co-pilot. He wants to be your pilot. You understand? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. He wants to be the king on the throne of your heart, not a co-partner in a duplex. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Are we getting it across? Do you understand? Our priorities have to be right. We're not just to seek the king, but we ought to seek the kingdom. The kingdom of God ought to be the obsession of our life. Not our house. Man, those things burn down. Not our cars. Not our cars or our campers for that matter. He ought to be first. A kingdom is a place where a king rules. To seek the kingdom of God is to seek the rule and reign of God over your life. This just makes sense. Jesus is talking. He's not talking in riddles here. He's not even talking in parables here. He's talking very, very plainly here. Instruction to his people. So if you're doing that, you're automatically seeking three things. Number one, you're seeking the glory of the king. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Number two, it means to also seek the guidance of the king. For a loyal subject always wants to do whatever the king pleases. According to the book of Revelation, chapter 4 and verse 11, that we were created for his pleasure. You got some of these phony preachers out there on the TV and on the internet who want you to think that God just wants to be your servant boy. No, he wants to be your God. That's what he wants to be. Man, some of these phony preachers out there. Well, you can command God. Hogwash. They don't even know who he is. It also means to seek the government of the king. As a matter of fact, he taught him so even in his model prayer. You go back to verses 9 and 10 of Matthew chapter 6, and he says, After this manner pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Notice, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It's not about whether or not I get my will today. It's about whether or not God gets his his will in us. And we are going to answer to him for whether or not he does get his will in us. 
You see, God's not a big bully. He's not up there making you do things you don't want to do. I got saved. I wanted to know him better. And the better I got to know him, the more I surrendered to him. The more I wanted him to have his way in my life. A loyal subject desires to be controlled by the king, to be governed by the king, to be ruled by the king. You listen to the apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21. He says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. He prays in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. And this is after he's been saved for over 30 years. He says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. Paul said, I want to know him. I want to know him as deeply as I can know him. And they says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things that are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Yeah, that's surrendered to him. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That requires proper priorities. And then we need to seek personal purity. We're not just only to seek the kingdom, but notice his righteousness. It says here, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and not our righteousness, his righteousness. Now look back over here in chapter 5, the first chapter part of the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. In chapter 5, notice verse 6. Where the scripture says, blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, and they shall be filled. Not a whole lot of people are hungering and thirsting after righteousness. A lot of people are hungering and thirsting after things, after money, after fame. Jesus said, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You see, we're not just to seek God's control over us, but we're to seek God's character within us. For he is righteous. As we read in Hebrews, he loved righteousness and hated iniquity. So his kingdom is not only to be inwardly experienced, but outwardly expressed. If God is ruling over you, his righteousness will be within you. A man's character is simply the outward expression of what's controlling him on the inside. His will or your will? His will is to come first of all in your life. That's why in every part of life, for instance, you take a a young person just graduated from high school. You ought to be seeking his will. You're going to go to college? Which one? Ask him. Where does he want you to go? Well, I want to be a, that's the problem. What does he want you to be? Now, if you're, I want to be whatever he wants me to be, that's good. But if that be the case, then he's going to have you go to a place that will help you to be what he wants you to be. Even when it came time for the crucifixion, you remember the Lord Jesus asked about removing the cup from him. 
But then he said, but not my will, but thine be done. God, I want your will to be done in my life. If God is ruling over you, his righteousness will be within you. Nietzsche, who was a German philosopher, he was founder of the Nazi movement in Germany, began his stuff with God is dead. He came to the conclusion by looking at Christianity. That's how he came to the conclusion that God was dead. Here's what he said. If you want me to believe in your Redeemer, you're going to have to look a little more redeemed. Because the truth is, too many Christians look exactly like those who don't know him. They talk exactly like those who don't know him. They hunger and thirst after the same things that those who don't know him hunger and thirst after. And that's a shame. It's sad. In reading a, a small biography of, um, oh, good night. The, the term is right there. The big premier over India years ago. Gandhi. Gandhi. That he had been seeking the God of Christianity he was looking for. He went into a number of churches. Now, I'm sure they weren't Baptist churches or even a number of other churches. But he said, I didn't see anything there that showed me God in the churches that he went to. There are a lot of churches you'd go to today. And all you'd see is just a glorified rock and roll flesh filling uh, hodgepodge of nonsense. That is not a testimony for the God of the Bible. So what does it mean to seek the righteousness of God? Well, number one, you've got to desire it. That's Matthew 5 and verse 6. Colossians chapter 3 declares, Set your affections on things above and not on things on the earth. For ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Set your affections on things above. Man, I used to be just a big sports nut. I, I, since I, I loved baseball more than I loved any other sport, I paid attention to everything that was going on. I sought it. Man, I saw all the sports casts that came on, and you understand that's back before there was ever an ESPN. I had all the baseball cards. I memorized all the big batting averages of the main players. I could tell you about teams that played before I was ever born and some of the big stars and all that they did. Now, my favorite team, because I was brought up in Michigan, happened to be the Detroit Tigers. Now, and don't laugh at my Tigers. The reality is, right now, I could not tell you three players that play on the Detroit Tigers baseball team today. I don't have a clue. It's not important. You understand? It's not important. Set your affections on things above and not on things on the earth. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Do you desire his righteousness? Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Right there leaves a lot of people out of the promise. Because they won't set the right priorities. They're not going to seek his purity. A great day when you learn the difference between self-righteousness And God's righteousness. A lot of people get lost in that. When they think about heaven, they think about how good they've been. 
And yet that was a problem with the Jews. In the book of Romans chapter 10, beginning in verse 1, he said, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. That they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. Now get this, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So we must desire it. We must derive it. That is, we're to seek his righteousness. He's not interested in our righteousness because our righteousness is a failure. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. By the way, here's the lesson on righteousness. Righteousness must be imputed before it can be imparted. His righteousness he imputes to us when we take Jesus Christ as our Savior. God must give it. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We must desire it, we must derive it, and we must depict it. We ought to live like kingdom subjects. We ought to live like we really do belong to God. Because if we're saved, we do belong to God for those who are born again. Will Rogers, the great humorist back in the 30s, he said, we ought to live in such a way that we would not be ashamed to sell the family parrot to the town gossip. By the way, you ought to live in such a way that when your children go to school, the teacher doesn't hear a whole lot of horrible things going on in the home. By the way, they will blab it. Matter of fact, when we started our first Christian school, I was pastoring Tennessee Ridge Baptist Church. Every morning we took prayer requests, and I was teaching third, fourth, and fifth grade at that time together and worked out very well. And one little boy raised his hand. He says, I said, and what's your prayer request today? He said, pray for mama because she smokes and doesn't want anybody to know it. Well, now everybody knew it. I never told her, but I'm sure she (laughs) heard about it later. Proper priorities, personal purity. And then we'll see the promise. I I hate to use this word, but I'm using peace here for my main points. And so I'm using the word prosperity. Then we'll see the promised prosperity. What is that? Well, he says, and all these things shall be added unto you. Hmm. He doesn't promise you to have riches, but you'll have what you need. I have been young and now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed begging bread. God takes care of his people. Matter of fact, for a lot of people, all riches do is ruin them. Reveals the fallacies of their character and of the flesh. The things he's talking about in verse 19, he talks about finances in verse 25. He talks about the food that's needed. And I look around this building. Most of us have had far more food than what we needed. Verse 27, he talks about the fitness needed. Verse 28, he talks about the fashions. That was a bunch of F's, wasn't it? Finances, food, fitness, and fashion. Notice in verse 32, he declares this. 
For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. There are four lessons that parents ought to teach their children early. And we need to relearn them. Number one, you don't need everything you want. Shame on the parent that gets their children everything they want. They don't need everything they want. You want to make a spoiled brat? Give them everything they want. And you don't need everything you want. By the way, Paul didn't get everything he wanted. God said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Number two, you don't want everything you need. What are you talking about? Well, I never wanted a whipping, but I needed them. And there's a lot of things in my life that have happened that I wasn't crazy about it happening. Like, like right now, my right knee going out on me. I, I never would have voted for that. But evidently, I needed it. God knows what he's doing. Knows exactly what he's doing. And by the way, God doesn't give us everything we want. Israel wanted meat. God told them no. They kept crying for meat. He said, okay, you got it. Thousands died. They don't need everything that they want. And God always gives us what we need. I read about two competitive store managers. They were across the street from one another, and they'd write signs out in the front to try to get people to come to their shop. And one nailed a big sign in the front of his shop that said, if you want it, we have it. The other one in the front of his shop said, if we don't have it, you don't need it. <laughs> but the reality is this. If you, it, it, no matter what you think, if you don't have it, it's because God knows at this point in your life you don't need it. There's a lot of things people don't need. It is our job to serve God, and it's his job to supply what we need. We have a song that we sing, Have Thine Own Way, Lord, Have Thine Own Way. Is that really the desire of your heart? For him to have his way in your life? Well, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all those things that you need, they'll be added unto you. You can count on it. Instead of singing, Have Thine Own Way, Lord, I think a lot of us are singing with our heart, Have My Own Way, Lord. And that just doesn't work. The difference. I'll show you this and we'll close. Turn over to the book of Philippians chapter 1. Paul is writing to a good church. In Philippians chapter 1. Now Paul is in Rome at the time. He's writing to the church at Philippi. And he has just discussed with them what had been going on at Rome. But then he says this, beginning in verse 19. Now, he's imprisoned at this time. And there were some people that were inspired to preach simply to try to add to his bonds. And it says in verse 19, For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now you go over to chapter 2. Paul has just shared his heart with these people. In chapter 2, 
he had heard uh, that the people of Philippi had heard that one of their own members who was with Paul had been near to death. And he was concerned about the church, how they were taking all that. And so he says in verse 19 of chapter 2, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. Now here he is at Rome. He's talking and he's concerned about those people. Timothy had been a blessing to him. He could use Timothy with him longer, but he's having to send Timothy to the Philippians. Why? Because look at verse 21. Well, verse 20 again. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. Look at this. For all seek their own and not the things that are Jesus Christ. What a statement of condemnation on a church. He didn't say some seek their own and not the things that are Christ. That's bad enough. He didn't say most seek their own and not the things which are Jesus Christ. He said all of them. I can't send anyone else, church, because... Apart from Timothy, who is with me, everybody in the church that I'm at now, there's not one that's going to consider somebody else for Christ above themselves. And Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Troubling days, perhaps dark days, it seems. How are we going to make it? If the dollar collapses, how, how are we going to do it? And Jesus gives us the answer. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's it. Where are you at? What's your walk like? Are you one of those seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness first? Or are you one of those that needs to make some decisions in your life? to get your priorities right in order. Father, deal with our hearts. I pray, dear God, if there's one here without Jesus Christ as their Savior, they're just a heartbeat away from hell. I pray they'd turn to Jesus today and be saved. And I pray for believers, dear God, today. May we make some decisions to set our affections on things above and not on things on the earth, that we put our King first of all in our life to live according to your perfect will. And Lord, we'll thank you as you move upon hearts today, for we ask it in Jesus' name.